Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for reaching millions of people, millions of dollars in sales, and impacting lives. My name is Steve Warner. I am your host. I am so glad that you are here. Today, we have got an amazing episode. If you ever have anxiety, if you ever get nervous, if you ever feel shut down, if you are a mom, this is the show for you. I am joined today by Sarah Falk. Sarah Falk shows busy moms how to go from anxious to energized. She's the mom of four boys, which that just gives me a little bit of anxiety just hot. She is a six-time published author, but things weren't always like this, Sarah. Take us back to where did all of this start? How did you wake up one day with boys? I mean, besides, you know, sex, like how does that happen? <laughs> well, and it's a miracle. Uh, if we're going to talk about where I'm at today and how I got there, I really have to go back to age 17. And I was diagnosed with bone cancer when I was 17. And I went through very intensive chemo. They treated me as a pediatric. And when they treat pediatric cancers, they treat it very intensely. And so they told me at that time, you may never be able to have children. So I, during that time, I actually learned a lot about health and, and wellness and had a couple of really amazing social workers who helped me through this cancer journey emotionally. And they are the ones that inspired me to do the work that I do today. That's pretty awesome. So I, I being 17, I mean, what, like, were you like playing soccer, like run around and you're like, my bones hurt. I don't, I don't know what that would be like, but, and then they tell me how that happened. Like what happened? Yeah. So I was athletic. I ran track. I played soccer. I was a cheerleader and uh, my, my track times were getting worse and my knee was hurting and we thought it was a sports injury. Well, eventually after just unrelenting like pain issues. I went to an orthopedic and he took an x-ray and said, Hmm, that's either an infection in your bone or a tumor. And it was a tumor. So yeah, it, that, that's how it, it was diagnosed and that's how it came out. And, um, through a year of chemo and, uh, limb salvage surgery, I have titanium rods in my leg. So my boys like to protect, say that's my superpower that I can predict the weather. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that through that experience, um, as you might imagine, I started um, sensing some amount of anxiety. And so that kind of led me on the path to really specializing in anxiety. So let's walk through that a little bit. So, I mean, you went through all the treatments, cancer yep. goes into remission, you have the surgery, but you still, you still like highly anxious after that. Like I would imagine getting out of that and like moving forward with life. Like how did, how did that start to manifest itself in your life or the symptoms yep. that you saw? 
That's a great question. So immediately it didn't register to me as anxiety. What was happening after I graduated high school, I started going to college. I noticed that I wasn't as adventurous as I had been before, but I just assumed or kind of rationalized in my mind that this was just part of, well, I have some physical, some physical disabilities now. Like I'm not able to run. I can't do some of the things I used to do. I have chronic pain. So I just have to like, maybe that's why I'm not as adventurous, but through school, I decided that I wanted to become a clinical social worker and provide support to cancer patients and their families. And so once I got out of school and started working in my dream job, like if I, if I could have written it, and created it for myself, that would have been the job. And it was working for a cancer support center and they provided free services to cancer patients, their families bereaved, and they provided wellness programs as well. So I I felt like I was able to use a lot of my creative skills and my therapeutic skills. And I started having panic attacks every single day. Debilitating. I mean, I'm just thinking about like, you have your dream job and then you start having panic attacks and you're like, what's going on? I can just imagine like the conversations you're having when you're not shut down. Right. What was that like? Yeah, that it was very, uh, it was very disturbing because I was probably at the happiest point of my life. I was 32 years old. I had just met the man I knew I was going to marry within a month, I knew he was the man for me. And I had been, you know, waiting for that. And I had my dream job and I just didn't understand why all of a sudden my, I felt like my body was turning against me, (laughs) you know, like my, just my very uh, core was turning against me at like the happiest, what should have been the happiest time of my life. So how'd you handle that? I mean, that's like, I, I can imagine a lot of people, my sisters and I had conversations around this and we always said it was, you know, you're waiting for the shoe to fall, right? You're waiting for like, things shouldn't be this good. And mm-hmm. that in your case, it was even more extreme. So how did you, how'd you move forward from that? What happened next? I finally realized after another piece of the story is I was diagnosed with um, diabetes in between this dream job and my first cancer experience. And so I was dealing with blood sugar issues and my panic attacks felt like low blood sugars. So I was constantly checking my blood sugar thinking, oh, I'm having a low blood sugar when really what it was, was I was heading into a panic attack. So I had to, I had to realize through a trip to the ER where they said, your blood sugar is not low. (laughs) And I realized in that moment, clinician, you know, I caught up with that and said, oh, I'm having panic attacks. It's not low blood sugar, it's panic attacks. And so I had to recognize and just have like a come to Jesus kind of discussion with myself, like, okay, Sarah, your dream job is triggering 
these panic attacks, you cannot deal with all cancer all day. And so I recognized I had to make some changes in my life, some really brutal changes, um, but also very healthy changes for myself at that time. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the stories so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Did you, I mean that first off, good for you for realizing that. I think a lot of people would have never, because they wouldn't have wanted to take the responsibility, right? To do something about it. They would have said, oh, I can't. So my hat's off to you for that, but let's like, what does, did you do it by yourself? Did you find somebody to help? How was your relationship going at the time? And where, when did you have your first child? Yes. Okay. So we, I had met my husband while I was working at this, the cancer support center. So I was already having panic attacks and I told him, you know, I, I have high anxiety, but I didn't tell him like there, the severity, it just kept getting worse and worse. So we, it was a whirlwind romance. We met September 30th and were married June 2nd. And so by June 2nd, the panic attacks were a lot worse because also at that time, I didn't recognize that our system, our stress response does not differentiate between good and bad stress. It's just all stress. And so right. here I am planning my wedding, you know, and we're, I'm trying to be thrifty. So I'm really cutting corners and being creative. And so it just takes a little extra energy when you're trying to, you know, save some extra, save some money. And so it was like, just, I, I was always on. And again, I'm struggling with myself. Like, this is the happiest time of my life. What's going on. And we were married a month, one month when I realized, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. And I had to quit my job. They didn't even ask me for two weeks. They were like, honey, you need to go take care of yourself. Like peace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I literally went from master's level clinician with a full-time job to no job and even unable to go to the grocery store by myself. So at that point in my mind, I'm hoping that my husband isn't thinking, what have I gotten myself into, you know, and he doesn't experience high levels of anxiety the same way that I do. So he was having a hard time kind of understanding what was going on, but also recognizing, whoa, this, you know, this is severe. So once I had a handle on, okay, these are panic attacks. I started doing work for myself. I, you know, knew from school what this was, how to handle it. So I went to my doctor, said, I'm having panic attacks. I want this. I want to try this medication. I'm going to be, you know, working with a counselor. I'm practicing these things to help myself. Mm -hmm. And so I just started a bunch of things, mind, body, spirit, really just shifting a lot of things in my life to be able to just function, just function. So that's really that story. And 
within a month, I was able to go back to work. I mean, it was really profound. It was really profound. And did you, did you, what's your job? Did you move from dealing with cancer to other? Okay. I, I did. I, <laughs> this is, you'll probably question this too, but I went from working with cancer to working for hospice. And Let's, but it's that? not cancer. It's not cancer. Not all cancer. Not all cancer. Right. There's right. some, but not all. Right. So, yeah. and did you, so we're going to get into the specifics of how you help manage anxiety because that's what you do, right? You take busy moms who are stressed out, have a ton going on, have a bunch of kids running around. Like, I can't even imagine what that's like. I don't have any kids, mm -hmm. um, but you teach how to lessen their anxiety. So what are some of the things that you did to yourself to be able to return to work in a month? And then what did you do over the next coming years? Six times public, published author. Let's talk about some of your books. What are some of the things that you do to help people lessen their anxiety? Because I'm guessing you tested them on yourself first. Oh, you yeah. said, this works really well. So I'm going to teach this over here. Yes. Yeah. Well, and even just starting, like moms don't stop. Right. Um, probably uh, I was on medication for a year. And after that, I came off of medication so we could start trying to have a family. And two years later, was pregnant and had my first. And because I was already 36, I said, well, if we're going to have more, we need to keep going. And, um, our second pregnancy, we had twins. So we had three children within 11 months of each other. <laughs> oh my goodness. Or not a lot. I'm sorry. 17 months, not 11, 17 like. months. Yeah. And then we had our fourth boy. Um, that, that was my shot at a girl, but, uh, our fourth boy within, so for a while I had four under four. Oh my and goodness. So during this time, you know, one of the things about anxiety that it, it, we can put it off, we can put off taking care of ourselves, but eventually your body, it's going to catch up with you. Your body is going to tell you, Hey, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to this over here now. And you will just, you know, many people have experienced that shutdown in one way or another, whether with mm -hmm. medical issues, panic attacks, different things. So for me, I had to recognize, okay, this is an issue. So this was even before kids, I had to recognize this is an issue. So the first thing really is to recognize your triggers. You have to admit these things are triggering me. They're, they're increasing my anxiety. And sometimes it's really difficult because that might mean letting go of a relationship or your dream job, or, you know, really making some some bold moves in your life that you don't want to have to make, but if you're going to take care of yourself and if you're honest with yourself, that's really the first step. So recognizing those triggers and then recognizing what soothes you. So it's, it, and I, I really challenge people in this area because some moms are like, yeah, if I want to relax, I'm just going to sit there with my glass of wine and scroll through Facebook. And I'm like, okay, well, you'll wake up three hours after you go to sleep and you're going to get off Facebook and you're going to be more angry than you were when you got on it. So, you know, like those aren't the ways I'm not talking about those things. That's, I'm talking I'm glad. about truly. 
What's that? I'm glad you're making that <laughs> distinction because the first place my mind went, like I was raised with a mom and three sisters. Oh, the gosh. first thing they do is like they stress eat, right? They go get a piece of cake or they go get chocolate and yep. they get a glass of wine. That's yeah. like, and they look at social media because yeah. I want something mindless or they watch TV, like they watch the news. That's right. a whole different discussion. That's, That's not going to help your anxiety. No. So what my question would be like, how do you, cause I think there's a healthy way to say that stuff. And then there's an unhealthy, like I wanted, I just want to sit on the couch and eat potato chips, or I just want to play video games. That would right. be my, like, that's how I could see guys handling it. Right. So yeah. what are some of the healthy ways that you would soothe yourself or give yourself relief? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's different for everyone. So some people they're very active. And so I just encourage them, like spend more time with your pet, take them on a daily walk or two daily walks, like get some of that anxious energy out. Um, so that's one thing, um, for the people who aren't really that active or maybe they don't have a pet, you know, some of the things you can do is simply reducing the amount of stimulants that you're feeding yourself. So I talk about the, the physiology of anxiety, and that's really where I start with people just to get a better understanding of where does it come from? How does it react in my body? And what am I doing to my body or putting in my body that is triggering it? And so we talk about reducing sugar. We talk about reducing or eliminating caffeine, nicotine. And then we've got a couple other chemicals that I talk about that are controversial, such as, um, alcohol and cannabis. So that always ends up in a discussion with people, with my clients. They're like, that's, well, the I mean, that's good. That, that helped me. Those are the only things that relax me. And we talk about cortisol again and how those chemicals interplay. So, well, I think that's a, I mean, it is a really good conversation to have. Um, I cut I mean, I rarely drink. I probably have a drink once or twice a month. I cut alcohol out 10 years ago. I wow. cut weed out 20 years ago. Um, it, but it's interesting. I think a lot of people self-medicate because it's the only thing that they know and they don't count it as, it's really funny to me. This is off subject kind of, but people that won't take prescribed medication because they don't want to support the medical system, but they have no problem getting blackout drunk five nights a week or mm -hmm. drinking half a bottle of wine a night. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, Oh, well that takes care of the problem. Really? What's your kidneys and liver look like? And are you sleeping? You can't sleep well if you're drinking mm -hmm. half a bottle of wine or, you know, three glasses of Jack before you go to bed. So and I'm not against if you can recreationally have a drink, that's what I do. If I go out to a nice dinner, I'll have a glass of wine, maybe a cocktail. You know, I don't, I don't smoke weed at all anymore, but if you want to do that once or once or twice a month, who cares? But if you're doing it three times a day, because yeah. you can't manage your life, like that is a, you are not going to be, in my opinion, you are not going to be successful or there is something like you have a huge discrepancy, right? Like something in your life is so far off. There was a stock trader that I knew that like he couldn't function unless he was smoking, you know, three or four joints a day. I'm like, that's you, you need a change of job, but he just, no, I love it. But it's the only way I can make a million dollars a year. You know, he was making several million a year, which was great for the bank account, but like if, if you but have to body. be like that, yeah, like that, it's a discrepancy and it's a choice, right? I wouldn't say it's right and wrong. You, everything has consequence. 
Um, and eventually even the weed wouldn't help him with his, like I call it anxiety or PTSD or whatever you wanted to frame that as. And he realized he, and he did end up going to detox and he's no longer a traitor. Um, but that's, so I think it's good that you call that out and you should have that discussion. Maybe not right off the bat. I think if people were honest with themselves, Mm -hmm. they would know like that stuff's not good. Like I, it, I'm self-medicating the minute somebody says that I'm like, well, why? Right. Um, so I think that it really comes back. I would love your thoughts on this. I think it really comes back to personal responsibility versus victimhood, right? Personal responsibility says these things happen to me. I can take responsibility and I can figure out how to fix it versus just how I am. I'm going to go eat some chocolate cake and smoke some weed and drink some wine and go to bed. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And that's actually one of the modules in my program. Um, the, the program is anxious to energized. And so I use the acronym, well, NRG notice release and growth. And when we talk about growth, this is exactly what we talk about that you can either live your life in fear with this fixed mentality that things just happen to me. And man, I got, you know, I got a rough, a rough deck or hand out to me, whatever. Or you can say like, take responsibility for where you're at and accept what's happening and say, okay, what now, what am I going to do with this? So this is the hand that's dealt to you, but what now? And this is really interesting. What's that? I just said, can I improve my situation versus yeah, I follow. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's what can I do now? What can I learn? How can I grow? And with growth, there's opportunities. With fear, there's none. You're stuck, like you said. You know, you're self-medicating and you're not willing to take a look at what your responsibility is and deal with the consequences. So I want to shift gears a little bit. And I just want to talk about parenthood because I think, I mean, there are probably a lot of moms listening to this and they're like, I've got two kids, three kids, five kids running around. How do you, I I can understand, I'm guessing one of them is taking some time for yourself and doing some self-care, but how do you just manage? I mean, four kids under four, Mm -hmm. you're probably sleeping an hour a night, like losing your mind. (laughs) I don't, how do you manage that kind of maybe it's not anxiety, but just like nervousness and lack of energy and like stress. How, what are some tips that you would give to mom specifically? Yeah. One of the things I learned very early on was to accept help. You know, if someone says, Hey, can I do this for you? Or let me do that. You say, okay, thank you. When are you coming over? You know, rather than trying to do it all yourself, because I think moms get in this mode where it's like, you have to do everything. And yes, you know, no one, you feel like no one will do it the way I would. And that's true. But being able to recognize, okay, my husband doesn't fold towels the way that I do, but hey, he did the laundry. Or, you know, my in-laws don't, you know, they don't put my child in timeout the way I wish they would. You know what? A day without timeout isn't going to ruin your child. It'll be okay. Go take a nap. You know, that kind of thing where it's it's making the choice to um, relinquish some responsibility, some of that responsibility. And like you don't have to be the one to do it every time. And that's part of the release 
part of my program too, is just learning like what to let go of and moms aren't good at that. So, I mean, that's, if I'm honest, that's like one of the reasons I don't have kids mm-hmm. is because of that. Like I, I'm very good. I control my life. I know what comes in. I know what comes out. I know like where everything is. And I, as an entrepreneur building several businesses, I know how to manage all of that stuff, but there, I guess the lesson there, what I was thinking of in my businesses, there are things that I let go of and I hire out, right? I hire my design. I have somebody who's a copywriter for me. I have somebody who does pieces and they wouldn't do it the same way I do it, but they do it good enough. Sometimes they do it better. Sometimes the result is better. And I think what I've always told girls, women that I'm dating, I'm like, if we have kids, we are having a full-time nanny. Like there's no discussion because I'm not going to lose sleep. You're not going to lose sleep and our house is not going to fall apart. And that has been, that's always interesting to see how they handle that. Um, I, I know that's a little off topic, but I think that's, I mean, that, that is, I think the correct answer to realize like you can't do everything yourself and you need to take time for yourself. I, I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Two of my friends that are married and they have they have two kids, uh, I asked them how they did it. And they said the thing was, she was like, I always take her, it's Josh and Jill. She's like, I always take care of Josh first. He's the leader in our family. I always make sure that he gets taken care of and I get taken care of. It's us putting on our oxygen mask first and we make sure the kids are taken care of. They're never going to be without a home or food or water, but we don't, we're not helicopter parents and we're not like, oh my God, what's happening with our kids? We take care of ourselves first because if our, she said, if our marriage isn't good, if I'm not good and he's not good, our kids are never going to be good. And I think somewhere in the last years, maybe not, I wasn't alive 50 years ago, but somewhere like that has started to get less and less over time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but parenting is a such a crazy thing to talk about. Yeah. And you're right how it has changed because now you have two income households and, and the, the stay at home mom or the, you know, the work from home mom even is not as like, that's not as common as it was 50 years ago. So you've got a mom who's trying to parent, she's pr- trying to be the perfect wife, the perfect mom. And if she's ha- running her own business or even working outside the home, she's trying to be this perfect, whatever over there. And women, we, there's a really great book. I just love the title. It's called, um, men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti where men can compartmentalize like a waffle, everything, women, everything is connected. So when you're at work, you're thinking about all the stuff at home that you need to do. So it's like, we're constantly pulled. And so for a mom to accept help, whether at work or at home, you know, that just takes practice. And that's something that I had to learn 
in my life, like it, it hit me, um, where you need to give yourself grace. And that's about not giving yourself grace because, um, after I had my baby, so he was a year old, my youngest, and, um, I had just stopped breastfeeding and was like getting back, getting my life back, you know, wasn't on call 24 seven. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my goodness. So, yes. So here I was, I was, um, I had a private practice, private counseling practice. So I had my own business. I had my four boys under four and I was diagnosed with breast cancer and started treatment that knocked me out for weeks at a time and talk about mom guilt and talk about, you know, this, this idea that we have to do everything and we don't take time for ourselves. And I was trying to still run at full capacity and then just got to a point where I couldn't, I just physically couldn't. And so I realized, and I listened to a great podcast, um, the Renovare podcast, and they were um, interviewing this spiritual, uh, a spiritual guidance teacher, and she works with kids in the church setting. And she said, kids need three things. They need time, attention, and touch. And that will help nurture their growth. And I was like, okay, I can do those things from my bed, sick as whatever, barely able to sit up. I can still make eye contact with my children. I can still hug them. Mm -hmm. I can listen to their stories. I can do these things. So I think it really, it brought me to a place where I was like, okay, if I have to have grace for myself right now. And I love your friend's analogy. Like you have to put your oxygen mask on first. And I was like, okay, I need to cut back my work hours. I need to allow people to come over and clean my house or cook a meal and give my, what, attention and energy I have to my kids and know that that's okay. Have that. Grace. I, I think learning to have grace with yourself. I mean, not just for anxiety or kids or parenting just in general, like it's different than like letting yourself off the hook, letting yourself off the hook is like, I told myself I was going to do this thing and I didn't do it and whatever. It's not a big deal. Grace is to me, this is a conversation that I've had with so my clients, with myself, with a lot of mindset people, like grace is, I made this commitment and I did the best that I could give ad next time I'll do it better. But right now, like what I did was good enough. Like I am enough. I did enough. And only, you know, whether or not you did or not, but sometimes we're the hardest on ourselves because, you know, we were like, I didn't, I, I wanted to take my kids to every soccer game and we were late and the car broke down and I had I got breast cancer and now I'm in bed and I'm a horrible person. No, your actions are not you. They were the actions, right? Like just as you do something perfectly does not mean that you are not perfect. Um, one of my mentors told me that, and I was like, that's, that's like a very good distinction. Yeah. Um, so we talked about parenting a little bit. We talked about having breast cancer. We talked about grace. What are like to know specifically what are one or two things that 
people just do that cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety. And we talked about some of the solves already, but what are, when you coach people, cause you're, you're a coach, you work with people one-on-one, you're launching a group program. What are some of the ways you help people overcome it? But let's talk about like, what are one or two main, we'll call them mistakes or things that people do that cause unnecessary anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. So one of them, <laughs> one of the big mistakes is uh, overthinking. And I, I, when I say this, I know that thoughts will pop in our head and we don't have control over what pops in our head, pops up in our head. But what I like to tell clients is think of them as pop-up ads on online and X out of it. Because if you don't X out of it, you're going to keep going down the rabbit hole. And eventually you're just going to keep spiraling. And this whole thing is going to just blow up. And I think that, so to answer the question and kind of put it in a word, it's, or a phrase, not managing our thoughts, right? We just, we think it's a free for all up there and we just let it go rather than being again, back to that awareness, back to noticing what's triggering you. And part of what's triggering most people is their runaway thoughts and they don't do anything with it. So I can hear some of the people in the audience being like, but how do you stop that? How do you stop the runaway thoughts? How do you, so my question then would be, do you have some tools? Do you have something that they can do in the moment? What do you tell people to stop their runaway thoughts? Because people will say, I can't control my mind, which is silly, but what do you use? How did you teach yourself to control your thoughts? And what do you, what are some tips and tricks that you would give your clients? Mm-hmm. Well, and again, like all of these things, it's not, you try it and you got it. It's, it's like any muscle. It's like any habit you have to practice. It takes practice. And the more you practice, the stronger you'll be at it. So like clicking out of those pop-ups, you have the thought pop into your head. You need to decide, okay, what am I going to do with this? Rather than just let it go, or, you know, you can feed into it and keep thinking in that vein and keep going down the, I call it the negativity track. Like what if, what if, what if, what if, So do you want to do that? Or you can literally, and visualization is big for me. So I teach it too, but I I like to say, think about like the train track. There's that gear or that switch that they pull and the tracks shift. So you can either stay on that track. You can keep going down the negativity train and, you know, do whatever your mind wants to do and let it go. Or you can flip the switch and head it over to positivity and say, okay, I can see I'm worried about this. What's actually happening right now? What are, you know, what are the facts? What do I control? What can I take care of? How can I prepare? And that just puts you on like, that's powerful and positive action that you're taking right there in managing that anxiety before it gets out of hand. That's, I mean, that is probably the best thing because it stops you from going down the rabbit hole, right? You can't control every thought that pops in your head, but you can't decide what you do with them. You can decide whether you pay attention to them or you just let them float away. The average, I I read this somewhere, the average human has somewhere between 70 and 80,000 individual thoughts a day. 
there's no way that you focus on all of those. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, can't go, you, you probably focus on less than 5% of your thoughts a day. Exactly. So you can do it. It is something that you can do. So Sarah, this has been a great conversation. If people wanted to find you first off, where should they go? Secondly, what do you offer people? Sure. I can be found at Sarah Falk coaching on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, (laughs) but to find out more about the services I offer and more about me, you can go to Sarah Fenlon falk.com and find out. I tell my story. I'm really blunt. I'm really honest. And, um, anyone who's read my memoir knows I'll talk about everything. Cause you know, I had breast cancer. So, um, there were some candid conversations in the book, which is finding myself facing cancer, but on the website, you can find my services page and I do offer one-on-one coaching for working moms who want to go from anxious to energized. And I am working on a group package currently, um, group coaching. And so that moms can work at their own pace rather than, you know, scheduling those coaching calls with me, they can work at their own pace, get all the same information and have it for a lifetime. Awesome. Um, so the websites will be linked down below. They're going to be in the show notes for you. Um, so make sure you go check Sarah out. If you're feeling anxious, if you'd like to know how to not focus on all your thoughts, go meet up with her. Um, I like the fact that you are blunt and you're straightforward. This was a great conversation. I had a huge amount of fun. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thanks for having me. This was great. No problem to everybody else there until next time take action change lives and make money we'll see you soon thanks for checking out today's show do you want the fast and easy cliff notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode if so go to actionbullets.com and download yours today also if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90 percent of the hard work for you grab my free course at storyselling.how today Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.